Hey everybody, welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower and I will be your host this evening. So welcome to our Wednesday night case updates show. I am flying solo tonight as Katie is off at a softball tournament for her daughter. For those of you that listen or watch regularly and who might be a little invested in Mar's career in softball. Her team is currently two and one, and she's playing very well. So lucky them, they're in Arizona, where it's nice and warm. I'm in Idaho, where it's really damn cold. So I'm jealous. Welcome to uh, this live stream. If you are on Facebook or YouTube and watching live, feel free to jump into the chat room. I would be happy to see you there. Welcome. Letters from an introvert tells us, just a cool FYI, I will be watching you on my VR headset. Should be a fun experiment. Well, I hope I'm not terrifying in VR. I have no idea what to think about that. But welcome. Letters, welcome. Amy, Corin. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I am on a screen as big as a movie theater. Wow. That's pretty interesting. I, I hope you're enjoying that's very interesting to uh, think about watching uh, YouTube on VR. I've never done that before. So it is Wednesday. We do have some case updates. I will say the last couple of case updates have been intense. We've had so many. And tonight is not quite as heavy. Like lots of stuff has resolved. And so I'm going to share what we do have because there's always something, right? Hey, Paula. Welcome. Welcome. So Come on in, say hello to the in the chat. If you're listening after the fact, welcome to you as well. We know we have listeners all over the world who listen at all different times of the day and night. And you know what? That's the cool thing about podcasting, you guys. I love it. So let's get started with a little bit of a Daybell Valo update. <coughs> Excuse me. So this is Chad Daybell, Lori Valo Daybell. The saga out of Idaho, you all know, you all know who this case is. Uh, it's kind of been known as the Doomsday Mom case. Um, just some, there, there are some big hearings coming up in this case later on in the month. And so there's some preparation going on for that. And John Pryor, who is Chad Daybell's attorney, has literally filed a wish list with the court. Let me tell you about it, because, um, well, Katie and I were talking about it earlier, and she said, this is just a John Pryor fever dream, and I think it, it kind of is. So he filed a whole bunch of things yesterday, a couple of motions to seal, and we know that um, right now, or just recently, there was a, a new um, update in Lori's competency status. We have no idea what that update said because it is all sealed, but there has been one and we've not heard from anyone that she's back at the jail in Madison County. So we're pretty sure that means that she's not spiffed up and ready to go to court quite yet. Uh, welcome, uh, Barbara, Lindsay, GB, Cranky, Moonbeam, JR. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. But here are some of the things going on in Chad's case. So later on this month, there are a bunch of, there are some hearings with some really, really important stuff happening. But here are some of the things that John, John Pryor has filed. 
One is to dismiss the indictment due to failure to S-E-A-N, an impartial grand jury. I don't know what that means. To Sean, an impartial grand jury. Oh, no. Has he forgotten his Grammarly yet again? Uh, anyway, it, I think it was supposed to say screen. To dismiss the indictment due to failure to screen an impartial grand jury, which, what does he know about the grand jury? It was a secret, right? Uh, he's also filed to disqualify the special prosecutor, set aside the indictment, and strike the death penalty. Um, all things he doesn't really have any power to do, but he's going to ask for all of these things, basically because it's his job and also because he's John Pryor, uh, to disqualify the, let's see, oh no, to disqualify the prosecuting attorney. Here we go. Forever trying to get rid of the prosecutor yet again. Oh, hey, in the chat there, Jessica, Stephanie, RJ. Nice to have you all there. Right. Pryor is kind of taking lessons from Mark Means right now because this is like, this is a lot. Uh, to disqualify the out-of-state prosecuting attorney, set aside the indictment and strike the death penalty. He's filed that one twice. Oh, no. One is to disqualify the special prosecutor. That's Prosecutor Wood. And then uh, to disqualify the out-of-state prosecuting attorney. That's prosecutor smith and then there's just to disqualify the prosecuting attorney and that's leslie blake so he's he wants to disqualify all of them he's really on a run here um he wants disclosure of homicide and death penalty cases that prosecutor rachel smith has served on as counsel or worked on in pro hack viche or consulting capacity also i don't think for one second has any right to any of that but he is, I don't know, just throwing things at the wall. Pryor is not death penalty qualified. No, he definitely isn't. And that's one question everyone has is, what the hell is he still doing on this case? Um, he is ridiculous cranky, I agree. Uh, but this is all the stuff he's going to throw it all at the wall and see if anything sticks. So that is coming up at the end of the month where he will, where those... Uh, questions will be answered by the judge. I think most of them will just be a not even hardly addressed. Like, you know, he's tried to get the prosecutors um, disqualified several times unsuccessfully. He has no evidence to make that happen. Um, prosecutor Rachel Smith, who's the out-of-state prosecutor, is here because she is a death penalty certified prosecutor. And, and we need some help here in little old Idaho where we don't have this little part of Idaho, uh, you know, death penalty cases, not a common thing for us. And she's already been appointed, appointed by the court. And, you know, yes, taking a page out of the Morphew defense play, playbook. Yes. Trying to discredit anything he can, because there's no actual defense in this case. Like uh, how you can defend the bodies of children turning up buried in your own backyard. Yeah, not happening. Um, but he's going to try. So these are the things that he's trying. Hey, Fisher Girl, Cranky, Renee, uh, Anders, Fran. Uh, is it because the prosecutors are being mean to him? It probably is. It probably is. I'm sure that he's going to go to your honor very indignantly with a bunch of stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens because, you know, we have several things in front of the court this month in this case, you know, the, um, 
request to sever. Um, he does own Chad's home. Yes. Well, half of it. Chad's home is in John Pryor's name and Tammy Daybell's name. So I would assume maybe that goes to her children because he cannot profit from her death. So I don't know. Did I call you cranky, Renee? <laughs> I didn't, but it kind of works out that way. Uh, how long do you think they will let Pryor continue? Well, here's the thing. They Because Chad has not been um, identified as being indigent, so he's still being paid privately. They don't, they can't force him to have a death penalty certified attorney. With Lori, it's a requirement because she has a public defender and the state requires that, you know, if you're, if you have a public defender and you're in a death penalty case, um, then you have to have a, a death penalty certified attorney. But if you have a private attorney, you've hired yourself, it's on you, man. So I, I don't know if they will. I don't know if he will. Frankly, I highly doubt he can afford it at this point. Uh, what are Chad's kids doing to put pressure on dad to ditch Lori before trial? It's a good question. Um, we don't know, but you can imagine that those things are happening, at least with the kids that seem to be engaged. Emma and Garth seem to be more engaged in the situation. I would think because when they've been interviewed, that's exactly what they've said is that this was all her. And so I'm sure that's what they're trying to get him to do, but it hasn't happened yet. Where's Chad still getting money from? Well, he owns the house and whatever money was left of Tammy's life insurance because that hasn't been seized yet because that's part of the charges that he's facing. So that's what we think, but we're not sure. It's possible there's also someone else helping him because you have to remember here in this area, he had followers, you know, and uh, wow. Hi, Herb. Bye, Herb. What a jerk. Apparently, I look like a libtard. I, I didn't know that was a thing to look like, but whatever. Someone in the chat being a jerk. Uh, it, it's possible, um, you guys, that there could be somebody right here in this community where I live that is uh, supporting him. We don't know for sure, but he definitely had followers. Are any of those followers left even privately supporting him? They're not publicly, but you wonder if Emma has to pay rent to Pryor. I wonder. I don't know. Pryor only owns half the share in the house. So, yeah, I, I agree that Chad is, it has to be running out of money at this point. I can't imagine that he could afford a an attorney that... Um, that uh is death penalty certified at this point oh thanks moonbeam it's okay when you've been on youtube a while you get pretty used to trolls <laughs> uh yeah how can anybody support that murderer right but if there are still people in this community who are buying into their story buying into their prophetic stuff um then it, it could happen I'm not saying that it is or isn't because I'm not sure, but it's something that I have long thought could be a possibility and might be why he is still um, 
has a, a, a an attorney that he's paying for out of pocket at this point. So, you know, we're going to see later on this month, we're going to see the, the severing of the trials um, addressed. Finally, we're going to see, um, you know, these all of these um, requests to dismiss the case to dismiss the prosecutors, disqualify the prosecutors, all that dumb stuff. We're going to see all of that. Uh, I think we're also going to see the potential that instead of moving the trial, that we bring jurors in from another county that have been sequestered, that's going to come up. So this is all stuff that's coming just the next couple of weeks. And Katie and I will be live streaming those hearings and we'll definitely be talking about all of them, but there's just a lot being filed in preparation for all of that right now. And I, it, it appears to me that, that John Pryor just sat down and thought of all of the scenarios in which possibly he could get this um, case dismissed against Chad as ridiculous and unlikely as it is. And he filed all of them because that's what it looks like. <laughs> Chances are good. He's not going to get any of those though. Really? There's no grounds for any of it. And last week we did share some of the filings around the severing of the trials and um, Pryor's brief was real light on actual evidence and actual proof of prejudice. And so I think it's going to be unlikely we see that too, unless something comes out in the hearing that is much more egregious than what was in uh, the brief he filed. There just isn't really anything there. So we're going to see uh, what happens, but finally there may be some actual movement in this case, which would be nice. But as far as we can tell, Lori is still just very much in a hospital, um, even after this latest uh, evaluation. Um, it's been six months. If she were getting close, you know, that we'd, I think we'd see some movement, but it, it doesn't appear that she is at this point. Yeah, right, Cranky. It was so mysterious that those kids were just buried in his yard. How could that have happened? Right? Um, yeah, those poor jurors, if they have to be sequestered for a possible six to eight weeks. I know. It will be rough, especially if you if they live in Ada County, which is the Boise area. It's five hours from here. This is a very, it, that's the biggest, like most metropolitan area in the state of Idaho. Um, things get way smaller and much more limited over in this part of the state. And yeah, it, it'll be really not fun. So we'll see what happens with that jury. But that's, that is my prediction is that they're going to agree to that because the, the cost difference is so significant that sequestering a jury and bringing them here rather than moving the entire trial across the state is, it's a huge difference financially. Hopefully none of the 144,000 will be seated on the jury, right? Hopefully. Um, you know, I, there's going to be some significant screening. I'm very curious to see how they screen the jury. But going to Ada County for the jury, very different population of people, much more diverse and not so sympathetic in some ways. Although I would think at this point, People here are not sympathetic. People are pissed at these people. A jury here would be biased against them. It wouldn't just be neutral. So I don't know. We'll see. Very curious. Um, 
you think there's some malingering. You know, I just, I don't, the reason I don't think there's any malingering is because she's in a state hospital with doctors and clinicians whose job it is to determine malingering. And they've had her for six months. You can't keep up and act and maintain for six months. I just don't think she's malingering. I really think that she is delusional. And until she can at least accept what she is charged with and participate in her defense on some meaningful level, they just can cannot uh, release her. I, but I think if it were malingering, it would have come out before now. Six months is a long time to maintain an act. Willful denial? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with the willful denial. But I think it's moved further from willfulness into delusion. I do wonder what Lori's disorder is, if there is one. Well, what we've heard um, through the grapevine is that her diagnosis is schizoaffective disorder, uh, which is, I don't know, I think it sounds kind of right, honestly. It is, um, it's a psychotic disorder. It's basically the combination of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Yeah, what if she never accepts it? Well, here's the thing. Eventually, she's going to have to, or she will just stay uh, locked up in a state, state psychiatric facility for life. She's locked up either way. She's not getting out. There's no getting around this in Idaho law. Um, so I would say that, you know, eventually it's just not going to be worth it anymore, but we'll see. I mean, she could sit out the rest of her life in a state psychiatric facility awaiting a time in which she could be tried. I don't know. Yeah, Lori is never going to accept her part. She might have converted more followers. Right. I, you know, I don't know. And at what level does she have to accept her part? You know, the, she doesn't have to be sane. She just has to be competent. She has to understand the charges and participate in her defense. So she doesn't have to agree with them. She doesn't even have to accept them. She just has to understand what they are. So I don't know. There's so much um, around that, you know. Yeah, so long as she is caged. Yeah, I mean, that's just the thing. I mean, it's either prison or it's a state psychiatric hospital, neither of which are a fun place to be. Uh, she's never had any mental health help in her life, as far as we know. Right. She's, she did have a little bit when Tylee was young, younger and they were going through some pretty significant um, challenges around custody with Tylee's dad. There was some mental health help for the family. It was for Tylee, but it was for the family also. And, you know, what I read in that really seemed to indicate that the problem was mom. And I think we all know that to be the case, right? Do I know what those hospitals are like? Yes, I've been in the one that I think she's in as an intern. And and I mean, it's not a fun place to be. It's it's a lockdown facility. Um, you know, you can't come and go. You cannot, you know, you don't just get visitors and phone calls whenever you want them. It's, it's a lot like jail. Um, oh, I don't want to. Yeah, she's had a little bit, but, you know, she's not ever, in her mind, she's never seen anything that was wrong with her, as far as her, her mental health is concerned. Yeah. 
yeah, there is a the 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 facility is it's not a horrible place, but it's not a fun place to be by any means. It's a very old campus, big old rock buildings, and you know, they have a therapeutic schedule and you know, and maybe she does like the attention, you know. Was her disorder triggered by something? You know, honestly, in reading Lori's history, I think Lori has had psychiatric problems all her life. Would it be, would it seem like a less severe punishment to Lori than being in jail? Maybe um, it might. Yeah. Uh, there's more treatment there. You know, jail, they don't really get treatment. She's probably attending some kind of, you know, we know she's attending counseling. She's probably attending some group therapy. You know, there are some things like that that are more therapeutic than what the um, than what prison will be for her. But I mean, it's it's still not much. Oh, there's a hospital like that here. Uh, it is basically a jail, though. Criminals serve their time there. Well, see, like there's a there's a wing for there are different wings for different things in this hospital. And there are, there is a wing for criminals and they are, you know, I don't think they're treated the same as the just regular um, patients that are there for mental health services. Can they force her to take medication or is, or is it counseling alone? So we don't know for sure if they are forcing medication. The prosecutor did file um, a request with the, with the court to require medication but of course then everything after that is is uh sealed and so we don't know but but yes ultimately can they require medication to be competent for trial yes they can they can and so it's very likely at this point that they are but we don't know for sure but that is something that they can do and with this kind of disorder, if it is schizoaffective disorder, she has to be on an antipsychotic. It's, you, it's the only way to treat at least some of the psychosis is with an antipsychotic medication. Right. It is. It takes time to find the right combination for a person. Exactly. So that's kind of where we're at with the Daybell Vallow case. That's a big update. Um not a lot of an update, but, you know, it's sort of where we are. We're just, um, we did hear a couple of days ago that Kay and Larry Woodcock were in Rexburg. And we didn't know why. We just heard from people who saw them in town. Now, there have been some sealed hearings. And so it's possible they were here to testify in something that we don't know anything about yet. It's possible Maybe there's another grand jury. We don't know. There's a lot going on behind the scenes right now because everything with her is sealed. And that's really hard. I feel like we know less because of that. But we're going to learn a lot by the end of this month when um, we see what happens. Are they going to sever the trial or not? Are they going to sequester a jury here? Or are they really going to move it to Ada County? You know, are they going to drop, drop Chad's charges completely <laughs> as if, right? Yeah, not happening, not happening, but lots coming. So we'll be covering that more. Uh, I did have a few 
Yeah, Katie is doing fine. Hi, S.Y. Welcome. Katie is off at a uh, softball tournament for her daughter. So it's just me tonight. Let me give you a few updates. We have a few. We did talk about Sherry Papini earlier this week. So Sherry Papini is the woman who uh, faked being kidnapped. And this happened quite a while back. It was in 2016. Um, she's now been arrested because she staged her disappearance. She was gone for three weeks. Her community came out like in such an awesome way to try to find her and get her home. And when she came back, she accused two Hispanic women, not specifically just two any random Hispanic women, apparently. Um, of kidnapping her and starving her and beating her. Um, so now what we know is that she was actually um, having an affair and off with her, um, her uh, boyfriend at the time and faked the uh, kidnapping to cover the affair. Uh, one of the things that came out just in the last couple of days is that when the FBI came to arrest her, when they had figured out what had happened, uh, she screamed, no, ran and threw her phone. So she, uh, yeah, she stirred up her whole community, her family, everybody, um, thinking that she was in fact missing and kidnapped. When in fact, yeah, yeah, people donated money. Um, just, yeah, it was awful, you know, that people came out for her in that way and, and she faked the whole thing. So she's in, she's in some serious trouble now. Yeah, she did. She had so many people fooled. It was just awful. Um, uh, an update in Billy Shamir Mir. You probably remember we've reported on Sh Billy Shamir Mir already and told you his story. He is the um, man in Dallas, the Dallas area, who is accused of killing about 18 older women over a two-year span while he was working in retirement homes or pretending to work in retirement homes. Last fall, he was tried for the death of Lucy Harris that and and it's this is the only death that he's actually been officially charged in and tried for and that resulted in a mistrial so that trial is coming back up they're retrying him it starts on April 25th he continues to maintain his innocence and that he didn't do any of the things that he has been accused of one of the uh, pieces of evidence that they have is a deposition of Mary Bartell, who uh, passed away before he went to trial. She was 91 at the time that he attacked her. She is his only that we know of surviving victim. And so there is her testimony. Unfortunately, the police, the, the, the uh, prosecutor's case is very light on forensic and forensic evidence. 
And so I don't know if coming in April, we're going to see more. I hope we are. And obviously, Shamir Mir is not uh, going to take a plea. So it's become quite clear that he's he's going forward with the retrial. So that's going to be a very interesting one to see what happens. Uh, then on the West case. So this is the, the West uh, boys who have been missing for a little over a year. Their um, adoptive father, Trezell, and adoptive mother, uh, Jacqueline West, have been arrested. The prosecutor is now saying that the boys were dead for three months before they were reported missing. And what's happened now is that the judge has issued a gag order in this case. So it bars all attorneys, their investigators, and law enforcement uh, from speaking publicly about it. That also applies to witnesses and court personnel who have access to reports filed in the case. So they were indicted through grand jury. So there's a lot of information out there that uh, we have to be really careful about because there's literal like evidence for trial in the, in those grand jury um, documents. And so the judge is just trying to really protect the evidence. So we're seeing a gag order in that case. Uh, Scott Peterson, if you can believe we're still dealing with this Scott Peterson thing, you know, well-known um, murder case. Scott Peterson was convicted of the murder of his wife, Lacey, and their unborn child. This was in 2004. He received the death penalty. He's been sitting in prison ever since. Well, last year, because of an error that was made in his trial, the death penalty was thrown out. And so he it was his... Uh, sentence was converted to life in prison. Well, now they are looking at potential misconduct of a juror that if this goes through, could result in a new trial for Scott Peterson. So what is happening now is that a juror named Rochelle Nice wrote 17 letters to Scott Peterson after the trial. She also did not disclose that she was a victim of domestic violence during jury selection. And we're seeing something similar um, in the Ghislaine Maxwell case where a juror did not disclose that they'd experienced sexual abuse and then came forward after the fact and said that they had. Well, this this person particularly um, has some history with domestic violence. Same issue. They didn't say that they had experienced domestic violence. She says that um, she didn't view it as domestic violence. I don't know. The letters are weird, though, and it makes it, it, it. There's a lot of bias that's being shown through all of this. And so we'll see if they give her, Scott Peterson a new trial after all of this. It's insanity. It is completely insanity. So we're watching that situation. And then, of course, the Barry Morphew case, which this is another one that just, oh, 
So there is a judge weighing the possibility that the charges against Barry Morphy will be dismissed. There are a lot of concerns in this case because the arrest was made very early on very flimsy evidence. And so his attorneys are filing to have the case thrown out and saying that, you know, they don't really have any evidence against him, which is, you know, of course, we don't know exactly what they have just yet. But um, what we've seen is not much. So that is a big concern. And, you know, they said at the time they thought he was preparing to flee the country, which is why they arrested him. But at this point, we don't know if this is going to get dropped. Maybe it could be picked back up again later. If there's more evidence that um, prosecutor has that hasn't been shared publicly, I don't know. But I got to say, it does not look good in Barry Morphew, in the Barry Morphew trial. Oh, yeah, the woman being obsessed with Scott Peterson. Yeah, no, it's not uncommon at all, which is bizarre. Um, there are always women obsessed with with uh, family annihilators, serial killers, men who murder women. It's It's a strange thing. Yeah, so... We'll see. Um, there's just a lot going on there. So there's a lot of stuff that's just kind of up in the air right now that we're awaiting what's going to happen, you know, just kind of watching and waiting. But, you know, we've got, you know, everybody's not favorite Barry Morphew, who we want to, you know, be held accountable. But, you know, here we are still with no Suzanne Morphew, no body. And that's one of the biggest challenges that they have is that they don't have her body. There's no physical evidence. Yeah, I have no issue with circumstantial cases, provided the circumstances add up. Yeah, right. Letters from an introvert. Me too. But unfortunately, these circumstances, they do not add up at this point. Yeah. So... <laughs> Cranky. There are so many crappy men out there and you go looking for one on purpose. Right? One that has been convicted of murdering his wife and unborn child. I mean, come on. Um, so we're just going to see what happens here. Um, we're awaiting that with the Maxwell trial as well as the Scott Peterson trial. What the judge is going to do. Are they going to order new trials or not? And I don't know. It makes me nervous. I don't like it. I don't like the situation with the Barry Morphew trial either. They should drop Barry's case and wait until later to try him. I am afraid they're going to have to. At this point, I don't know how. I don't know how they can show that they have enough evidence to hold him. Was really done really impulsively, I think his arrest was. So that's what we have. Oh, Renee has two sons. Oh, Renee's got a couple of sons apparently available. 28 and 30 hard workers, no abuse. All right. Anybody looking, you know, hit up Renee in the chat. <laughs> She's got a couple of good boys. Right, right. Better to wait with Barry Morphew rather than, yeah, what if he gets a, what if it's an acquittal? You guys, what if it goes all the way through and is acquittal? We still don't have her body, you know, all of that. Um, Just 
Oh, I'm sorry, Amy. Yes, I will send some good energy to your brother. That's that's awful. But yeah, I agree 100% that we should be, you know, waiting until we're sure. It's just like all of this jockeying in the Daybell Vallow case gets frustrating, but it's important because we need to make sure that all of their rights are protected and that all the ducks are in a row so that when they are convicted, those convictions stand up and they stay in prison where they need to be to keep everybody safe. So that is everything I have for you tonight. I will be back tomorrow night with the psychic hour. I did have a guest that fell through. And so I honestly, I don't know what I'm doing yet, or I would tell you, but I will be here. And that's at 7 p.m. Mountain. If you have not already, check out our three episodes from this week. There's no new news on the Delphi case. No, I've been watching and, you know, there was that little bit of hit on the on the potential social media stuff. And there's not been anything else happen. I wish I wish there was. Thank you, Lydia. I appreciate it. Um, if you haven't checked out our episodes this week, do. We had some doozies this week, you guys. And this today's episode that came out on Wednesday. Um, well, we laughed our asses off over something that hopefully y'all find funny. Um, if you haven't watched that yet, definitely do. And as always, you know, we ask that you like, subscribe, share, you know, do all the things because that just helps us to grow and to reach out farther into the world. So I will see you tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Mountain for the Psychic Hour. And you know it. This is True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks for being here. <laughs>